In this episode, we discuss a show that deals with adult themes. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. I'm Johnny. I'm Heather. I'm Tanea. I'm Renee. And this is your movie hour. Your Movie Hour is a podcast where we explore the deep truths we can learn from our favorite films and television shows. Welcome. You can find us online at yourmoviehour.com or send us an email or a voicemail message. Even better, we might even play it on the podcast. Send it to yourmoviehour at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at your movie hour please also join our facebook group where we talk about each podcast episode and just things that we're watching just go to facebook and search for your movie hour community if you enjoy the podcast please tell your friends about us rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts if you want to support us financially check out our patreon where we have cool perks like stickers mugs and t-shirts and even guest spots on the show thank you to our long-term patron scott and also thank you to our new patron, T. So as you all heard, we've got some new guests on the show. So we're going to go around and introduce ourselves. As always, I am Johnny and I spend most of my time, uh, I suppose, being paid so that I can have time to be friends with people. Uh, I also, I also uh, have a special question here in the introduction what's your favorite episode in the original series and my favorite episode um is the episode that i get to watch with heather <laughs> wow oh <Aww>. winning <laughs> points for you <laughs> all right let's go let's go around okay so i'll give you i'll give you just a little bit of backstory but we'll do it fast so i was totally unfamiliar with veronica mars until uh heather came into my life and we started dating and then got married and so and of course i had to show him this show so then we watched through it and and everything <laughs> and obsessed. so and and i should say <laughs> these three are our, our other uh participants in the conversation are longtime veronica mars fans and they grew up and this is their they kind of have a cult really um that's kind of all about it and we so, are the cults yeah uh, the, yeah. the original cult. marshmallows yeah. yeah so i'm kind of a spectator here yeah <laughs> we have allowed Aww. you into our club meeting or i mm. mean our cult meeting um my name is heather <laughs> i am married to johnny as y'all just heard and i am a filmmaker my favorite episode of the original show, there are so many. We recently started rewatching Johnny and I, and like every single episode, I was like, oh, I forgot how good this is. But one that mm-hmm. has always kind of stuck out to me is um, an episode where Veronica's favorite teacher gets accused of having <gasps> yes. uh, an inappropriate relationship with a student. Yes, played by Ben, ben Wyatt. Wyatt. And that episode is so good. I will not like spoil it for you if you have not seen it, but you need to watch it. I still think about it sometimes and how how well it was executed. And Tanea and I hung out at the WGA like foundation library uh, last spring. We were in LA. What's the WGA? Oh, uh, that's the Writers Guild of America, oh. and they have this library oh. of produced scripts. 
screenplays, TV scripts, and you can't make copies. You can't even, like, type them out. Whoa. Um, they're, like, very, like, you got to keep it Secure. on the level. But um, I, I read that script for that episode, and it was, like, <gasps> it, was, it was great. Still good. Fancy. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. All right. Cool. So I'm Tanea. I, by trade, am a problem solver and happiness maker, and I'll let you decide what that means. Um, but oh. by passion, I am a uh, listener and reader and consumer of stories. Yes. So whether that be TV or reading or whatever. Um, my favorite episode, I think, is episode four in the first season. I think it's called The Wrath of Khan. And it's like, at that point, all of the origin story establishing episodes those are like that's done we've settled into like the kind of case of the week yeah and i think it's the first yeah so if you don't know what it is off the top of your head it's um wallace's love interest played by kyla pratt i think yeah kyla pratt. yeah um gets sucked into yes. like a nigerian scheme and they have to go to this undercover at a college party and this was the first episode i ever saw yes. like oh, my, really yeah my dad was just like flipping through tv like whatever night it was, Tuesday night, I think, <laughs> that it was on there. And he kept flipping back to it. And I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And then when I found out <laughs> that she was, like, going undercover at, like, a frat party yeah. trying to solve this mystery or whatever, I was Break like, Break into this high-security dorm room. Yes. yes. I need that. Yeah. I love it because it just, like, it's excellent repartee between Wallace and Veronica. Yes. And it's it's just a very fun episode that I feel like, it's like, okay, we've settled into what this show is going to be. And, yes. Yeah. Hold on to your socks. And she, like, shines so much in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Just the whole, like, trying to figure out what the code is, the security code on the dorm room, based on what the sound your yes. buttons on your phone make. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I love it. I it's think so about great. it all the time. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm Renee. Um, I am an actress in L.A., um, I do mostly theater. Um, I'm also a part-time princess on the side because that's what it's yeah. actually like being an actress in LA. <laughs> um, and I feel like, like Johnny, um, when, you know, you come into contact with Heather, she introduces you to Veronica Mars. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. we've known her for Truth. forever, but she is, yeah, she introduced us all to this show and she really just held us hostage in her car and made us all watch it it's true we yeah. binge watched oh it my on gosh. like a road trip uh we watched like, it in like the boonies yeah like we after were, like, camping watching <laughs> yeah it was like after uh, the year. outdoors <laughs> time to binge watch veronica mars and it was before binge watching was a was a thing like there was yeah. no name for it but we did we watched like the whole first season mm-hmm. and like a few weeks <laughs> and uh yeah then we were all yeah all fans we were like in the great outdoors and like no but let's go inside and watch tv <laughs> like, i don't i don't know if you guys remember this uh but we were like watching it out because my dad had set up that screen oh, yeah. outdoors the projector yes and mm-hmm. um we were at like a camp sort of thing and it yeah. was in arizona and we were watching some episode of Veronica Mars, and then all of a sudden, these wild pigs, oh, <laughs> like, what? ran into what? the, like, dirt kind of path that was, like, next to where our cabin was. And we're just, like, hanging out and, like, sniffing around and stuff. And we were like, uh, what? <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this. I absolutely remember this. <laughs> so you are interrupting I... my viewing of the show. Get out. <laughs> 
And I kind of feel like that after that, um, I also have this memory where, because we're all sharing a tent. Oh, I know exactly what you're going to talk about. (laughs) And um, there was like, Tanea does not like the outdoors. Like, Tanea does not like trees. True dead. She does not like wild boars that are running through the campground. (laughs) Unlike the rest of us. Yeah, but she really does not like it. After this one night, Tanea was like, I did not sleep well. And we're like, what happened? And she's like, the whole night, I thought there was something rubbing again, like outside the tent, like a boar that was going to like come in and eat us. But then she realized like at the end of the night that it was just every time she like turned her like sleeping bag would rub up against yeah, the, it was the air mattress just rub <laughs> noise yeah and then we went to walmart the next day and yes. got me some earplugs and it was yes. fine All and was now well and she has like a huge jar or i don't know if you still do but i've seen you have like huge jars of earplugs like, yep. next never went back bed. yeah Totes. and i recently oh got my myself a jar welcome I, to the good life i thought oh. exactly i was like tanea is wise i'm gonna follow her lead do what you have to do to protect yourself from wild boars you know? And <laughs> if that's getting a jar of earplugs, then for your psychological health, I approve that. Yeah. Anyways, wait, we didn't ask Renee. Sorry, because yeah, we were just, sorry. yeah. What What's oh, your favorite episode? Gosh, it was so hard. I mean, I love a good Laura Bell Bundy cameo. Um, so I love Green Eyed Monster, but um, I, I this is weird. I, of course, the finale of eat of season one and two is like excellent you know mm-hmm. amazing but i also really surprisingly liked an eccles family christmas yes, yes. is that uh, that's yes, the one where I they're just, like playing poker and then yes uh also there's a stabbing <laughs> yeah yes yes and how it, it just ends with the carolers outside and the snow falling and the voiceover it's just it's really well done it is. for being like kind of a filler yeah episode yeah that's something i really loved about the show that we don't get in season four because season four is only eight episodes but because tv is just not like this anymore but the first several seasons of veronica mars were like 22 ish episodes and so you get those filler episodes and in a lot of shows filler episodes really do feel like filler but in veronica mars they're they are filler like maybe there's not a lot happening with the overarching uh not ministry the overarching mystery but Mm -hmm. they're good filler they're really good character driven yes filler yeah Yeah. and like just great little fun case of the week just fun Mm -hmm. yeah so in case you haven't picked up dear listener we are talking about veronica mars season four uh, a recent release in the Veronica Mars uh, universe, we could say. And uh, Heather, as our as our resident expert and uh, introducer of Veronica Mars, do you want to just go ahead and maybe tell us a little bit? And and you talk about you know this one eight episodes, these ones twenty two episodes. Maybe give us even a little bit of background on on what happened with Veronica Mars, and then tell us a little bit about this season and and what we're going to be talking about for sure. the rest of the episode. So Veronica Mars is a show that was on UPN back when UPN was a uh, network Um, back in like 2004 is when it premiered and it just went through 2007. It had a lot of critical acclaim, but kind of low ratings Um, and ratings. If you don't know the way that it works in TV is not necessarily like we enjoyed this, you know, eight out of 10 stars. That's not how ratings work. It's how many people are watching it. So if not a lot of people are watching it, 
when it's live, then it has lower ratings and then the advertisers aren't going to pay as much money to have their ads on during it. And so then a show gets pulled and they replace it with something that's better. Um, but uh, it was just a very like this. This show has kind of grown to be like a cult classic um, and has a, a huge following. The fans are called Marshmallows and it was canceled kind of tragically. There's like some network politics involved. And basic premise of the show? So the basic premise of the show is that it sounds kind of ridiculous, uh, but... Ridiculously wonderful. It's awesome. Uh, it's a girl who, um, her name is Veronica. Her father used to be the sheriff of this kind of small town in California. Small town, but like a spring break attraction. Yes. There's like rich people and poor people. Like there's no... There's no she says there's no middle class and that... I find really interesting because that's kind of how our country is right now. And this was like 15 years ago that they were kind of talking about this. But there's no middle class. Uh, a lot of people come there to party. It's like right on the beach. It's called Neptune, California. So her father was the sheriff. And then her best friend, who um, was the daughter of this like really rich guy who invented streaming video, <laughs> she gets uh, murdered. And... Her father, as the sheriff, he winds up um, kind of getting run out of town and loses his job. So he becomes a private investigator. And Veronica, who's like 16 in season one, she works for him kind of on the side after school. But she's really smart and she's really motivated to find out what happened to her best friend, Lily. And so she is really good at what she does. So she's just solving mysteries and dealing with high school drama and dealing with the fallout of like all of the people at her high school hate her because of what they sure. perceive her father did or whatever. What she represents. Yeah. yeah. So the first season is her kind of trying to figure out what is going on, what happened to her best friend. And then there's several seasons after that and each season has kind of its own mystery. Um, and it's very much in a like film noir kind of style. Um, it's shot, uh, with like dark kind of lighting and high contrast and, uh, you can't really trust anyone, you know, kind of those hallmarks of, uh, film noir. And, uh, it was canceled in 2007 and then in 2014, um, actually 2013, they launched a Kickstarter, mm -hmm. uh, because they knew that they had a fan base that was quite passionate about Veronica Mars. Did um, you contribute to that Kickstarter, Heather? I did. <laughs> I knew the answer to that question. <laughs> I remember when I saw that it had launched, I think someone sent it to me. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was even Renee. Um, or maybe it was tonight. I don't remember. but Or maybe it was my brother. But they sent it to me and they're like, have you seen this? And I was like, what? Because Veronica Mars getting canceled was like one of the injustices. I mean, obviously a very minor injustice. But like in uh, it was such a sad thing that, that happened when I was at that age because I started watching Veronica Mars when I was really struggling with, uh, you know, being high school age and like some dramatic things that happened in my life and traumatic things and I found solace in this character and who she was and how she like got stuff done and didn't let life get her down and stuff and so when it was canceled it was very sad for me so then when it was rebooted in the form of a movie it was like very exciting um the film got made uh 
Renee and Tanea and I watched it together. Did you watch it with us, Johnny? I was there. Yeah. And um, then we're like, okay, yay, that was fun. And I never thought we would have gotten like a rebooted TV version, but we did this last year. But times have changed. So it's only eight episodes for season four. Um, and just it feels different, a little different format. Uh, but all the characters are there and there's a lot that feels familiar. So tell us a little bit about season four then. Um, so we will be discussing season four and not be holding back any spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, then go watch it. Backspace right now. Yeah. <laughs> we will try not to spoil things from the previous seasons. Uh, but if we do, sorry, you had a warning. <laughs> you should just watch the whole, all of it right now. So this uh, season of the show particularly uh, is for mature audiences. Um, there's some sexual content, drugs, alcohol, violence. Uh, so yeah, just keep that in mind if that matters to you. So in season four, it is a few years after the events in the movie. Veronica is living in Neptune. She is, spoiler, dating Logan. <laughs> They've been dating for a while, and all seems happy, things are going well, and then a series of bombings starts happening there in Neptune, and so she's kind of hired to figure out what's going on with that, and she's roped in, and Logan is roped in, and her father, who is recovering from a uh, car accident injury, is also roped in, but he is not able to do as much as he used to. And so Veronica kind of has to carry the weight of it all. I think an important departure from uh, what was established in the previous seasons is all the voiceover with Veronica was in the present tense there. And here it's all in the past tense with season four, which I think really increases the anxiety of whatever the big thing that she's, the tragedy that she's, alluding to yeah. throughout and that starts in season uh, episode one you know and i you're like is the bombing this issue or is it more and like it, so it created a little bit of extra tension i think right off the bat in comparison to the previous seasons yeah you're totally right i hadn't thought of that but it is in the past tense and at the very opening of the first episode of season one it's like Veronica is like standing there and she's like looking upset and like you know that some kind of tragedy has happened and then so she kind of sets it up and says like oh I never thought this would happen or you know mm -hmm. something and then we kind of go to the past and that's not usually how it had been formatted and so you do know the whole time that something bad is mm -hmm. coming yeah. and it's on your mind the whole season. One of the one of the things when when Tanea uh, jumped in there that really uh connected with me was you know this looking back on the season from the end and this sense of of dread of just suspense and and uh, i think that leads really well into a key question for us you know how did you coming through season four how did you feel about it just briefly in a, in a sentence or two how did you like the season would you watch another season of veronica mars where we left off in season four I loved the season. I would absolutely watch more, but my excitement for the next season is if they do one is a little bit more resigned than if it had not ended on that particular 
mm. moment. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I I would say the same. I loved coming back to Neptune. I loved um, seeing where the characters were at uh, all these years later after we had left them in uh, the show. But uh, it was very bittersweet. I was not expecting <laughs> the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would I would watch another season, but they would have to really do a lot to kind of make up for the ending of season four. You're so bitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I honestly, I would, I hope that there's another season. I, I guess Game of Thrones made me a little bit used to the shocking main characters dying. Are we allowed to say that? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Because we said there would be spoilers. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Um... So, I don't know. I kind of liked that they took that big risk. I'm so um, surprised. That's interesting. It really came across as, like, cliched I, and seen before, like I, with Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, of course I didn't like it because I love them together, but I I was like, oh, okay. You know, they're keeping up with what TV is now. And, True. and Renee has always been a team Piz, you know, and so she has so not. this this sets it up. Season five, she can get with Piz yes. like Renee has always dreamed. Make it work. No. I was team Piz. I was like, oh, Piz is cute, but let's get back to someone. Else. He's not right for her. He's sweet, but he's not right for he's her. He's like a puppy. <laughs> One thing that I really liked about the season um, that really made that ending worse is and I was talking to Tanae about this earlier I loved the dynamic of like so in the original show Keith and Veronica were kind of this dynamic duo that would you know it was like spy versus spy sometimes um where they worked together really well and then other times they were kind of going behind each other's backs to try to kind of at cross purposes yeah exactly um And in this season, Keith is injured from a car accident from the movie, and he's just getting older, and the dynamics can't stay the same. And so they wind up kind of bringing Logan in to do things and do some work, and he actually winds up doing some, like, security work for um, one of the characters and stuff. And I love this dynamic of Mars Investigations is Keith, Veronica, and Logan. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I am here for that. I would watch that show all the time. Like, I love that. And then when Logan dies at the end, that just shattered all my dreams of that. (laughs) But I, I am interested to see how like I would love to see Veronica in different settings besides Neptune and see now I'm torn there because Neptune feels like a character by itself it is it's such an intrinsic part of the show I don't know what it's going to be like in a different venue yeah yeah I I think future seasons assuming they they happen I mean it's 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 going to be held together by the excellent acting of Kristen Bell and um you know the fact that we like her as a character mm-hmm. but it but it will be a lot more similar to you know your i don't know i we'll see what rob does you know yeah 
So let's dig in a little deeper. We've had our initial reactions, uh, but let's let's see what what are kind of the big ideas that jump out at us. What's in the room uh, here for Veronica Mars season four? Heather, we'll go ahead and start with you. So one thing I noticed that was an interesting dynamic in this season, particularly compared to previous seasons, is um, if you have watched the first few seasons in the movie of Veronica Mars, um, Veronica and Logan have a very interesting relationship, um, both in friendship and, spoiler alert, other things. <laughs> Which you would already know that by now if you've watched season four. Yeah, I but... think we can let it go. <laughs> um, they get married at the end. Yes. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in in the show, they are very kind of like volatile towards each other and like sassy and stuff. And Logan is very emotional and he um, comes from a place of like brokenness and trauma and Logan was dating Lily, Veronica's best friend when Lily is murdered. <laughs> so, and even and even blames Veronica. And even blames Veronica and at times Veronica blames Logan and thinks that Logan killed Lily and all this stuff. Um and somehow they've been able to all these years later kind of settle into their relationship. Um but Veronica in the show was often like a grounding uh, in the first few seasons of the show was often a grounding force for Logan. Logan would come to Veronica when he was in trouble, when he needed emotional stability, when he needed like literal, mm. like, you know, get me out of jail or, or yeah, whatever. Her, her reasonableness, her resourcefulness, her, yeah. she was, got she him was out of hot water when his reactiveness. Yes. You know, he was very problems. reactive. Yes. But in this season, their places have almost switched where Logan has dealt with his stuff. He's dealt with a lot of trauma that he experienced um, as a teenager and as a child in his home. Um, and he's done so in ways that were very helpful for him with his He's gone to counseling. He's, he's gone to counseling. He uh, joined the Navy, which that kind of structure and like family camaraderie was really helpful for him. Um, in the books, uh, he actually struggles with drugs and he, um, I actually haven't finished reading this book, but I was talking to someone else about this. And the books are between movie and season four. Yeah. There's two books and he actually, and they are um, canon written by Rob Thomas. Yeah. Or they're like 90% canon or something like that. That's what Rob said. You know, Rob. Rob. <laughs> First name basis. Um, Logan actually uh, ODs. And so then that's like a wake up call for him. And so then here we are a little bit of time later and he is just much more stable in like so many ways. And Veronica is kind of the one that is like going off the rails. And I think it's probably because she never really dealt with any of this stuff. I mean, she had mm -hmm. an extremely traumatic... Um, you know, when your best friend is murdered and she was, her family was essentially like run out of town. Um, she also experienced rape when she was a teenager and then went to the authorities and the authorities kind of laughed in her face and 
was like, it's no big deal. You know, those are very traumatic things. And then working for her father, she's seen all of these, you know, people cheating on each other, like murder. She's very jaded. She's very jaded. And she's never been able to deal with any of that um, in a long-term kind of healthy sense. And so then that creates a ton of friction and conflict and, between her and Logan. And as the as the series opens, like the way that she she does deal with it but the way that she deals with it is vengeance <laughs> the way yeah, that she deals not with the it the most healthy the way that she deals with it is is a sense of of justice of what is of what is right making them get theirs yeah like you know? she creates the justice that she feels the universe won't give her yeah mm-hmm. which ultimately leaves it unaddressed yeah exactly undealt with yeah, and so that was just really interesting to me to see this kind of character role flip where Veronica was also, I think, a grounding force for Keith, her father, in the earlier seasons. Um, but now she's kind of struggling and she doesn't even know it. And as the season goes on, you can tell that she is kind of heading down a road of like instability and self-destructiveness self-destruction yeah exactly um yeah so i just thought that was really interesting how they decided to do that i think it's a good choice because she's not a teenager anymore you can't have people be the same Mm -hmm. after 15 years so yeah i think they handled it really well especially with like the scene when logan busts through that cabinet Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. with that like little explosive rage that we see throughout so much of the first seasons and um i thought that was just a very interesting way to acknowledge that like yes he has you know he's becoming this more grounded person but that doesn't erase the trauma still like yes he's he's more he's dealing with it in a much more healthy way but it's still there and it's still a trigger and that's something that they feed off each other kind of in their relationship well and that shows too that particular scene shows that logan is who he is today because he's doing work and it's work every day to keep this side of him that is explosive and has a lot of anger and i mean with good cause like he's experienced a lot of terrible things and and it makes sense that he's angry and gets frustrated but it's a work every day that he's consciously doing and that's why he is who he is now Mm -hmm. yeah i also thought that that was a really cool thing that they, the writers did with almost commenting on um, the fact that Veronica and Logan, they have had kind of a toxic relationship um, in the past. Like I definitely like watching it again in my adult life. There are times where I'm like, oh my, like if my friend was ever dating a guy like this, I would be like, get out, you know? And I'm like, oh, I can't believe I shipped them, you know? But I I loved that they, they were kind of like, you know, yeah, like for the drama, like they have definitely, you know, had this relationship that is toxic and they're drawn to each other because of the excitement and that they were in season four, they were like, you know, yeah, their relationship has been toxic, but, but now it's grown, Mm -hmm. you know, which I think I was definitely way more on board with it. Um, watching it like currently, you know, and being an adult now. It's like, I always shipped her with Logan, but now I actually like 
feel okay about it like myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That was not exactly. an awful choice on yeah. that part. So, so yeah. what are, what are some of the ways that, that you see this and, and, you know, not just Heather, but you know, that you see this ungroundedness in Veronica's life that maybe, um, demonstrates the shift that that Heather points out. I mean, I definitely think that a theme in in season four, but throughout the entire show, you know, including the first three seasons, um, is just the theme of trust, um, whether it's Veronica, you know, who she trusts, who she doesn't trust. And part of what I love about the show are the times where she doesn't trust someone and she's right about it and she gets to lay into them and, you know, get revenge that, you know, maybe as a viewer, we feel like the person deserves. Um, And then there are also times where, you know, she trusts someone that, as viewers, we are like, you shouldn't trust her, you know, like in the first three seasons, it's her mom. We're like, you know, clearly it's not going to work out and she wants to trust and, um, how heartbreaking that is just watching, you know, that happen to Veronica. And then in season four, you know, how it's still so relevant in her life. You know, after all this time, she still is a marshmallow, which is, you know, the kind of the catchphrase of the show, Veronica Mars, such a marshmallow. And she, you know, she trusts, we want her to trust Logan so much. We want her to trust that, you know, they can be committed to each other and and be together. And um, she's still experiencing, you know, trauma from those, you know, the reasons why she doesn't trust someone that we've learned throughout, you know, the entire, entire series, um, that it's still affecting her um, in season four. And I think they kind of explored a little bit in this season more in the previous ones, whether or not she's trustworthy. Um, yeah, especially within yeah. the context of their relationships. Like I know there was like the whole love triangle kind of deal in this earlier seasons, but I feel like like the, the different arms of that triangle were very defined. And this one in this season's like she's pulled to Leo and um, but also with Logan and, you know, it creates a lot of anxiety about whether or not the people in her life can trust her a little bit as far as romantic relationships are concerned. And it's way higher stakes. Like in the earlier seasons, there were these love triangles and such, and it's so high school, you know, but this was like, she is, we're talking marriage. Yeah. Like she's dating Logan, he's proposed. And then Leo walks back in her life, which by the way, I was totally here for this storyline. I was so excited (laughs) to have Leo back. Um, and she's like, I mean, in those later episodes, I was like, I don't know what Veronica is going to do. I don't know if she's going to like run off with Leo because it's easier for her to like walk away from this idea of like being happy with Logan because they have been so volatile and she's also seen toxic marriages and like her own parents um you know broke up and her mom left and was constantly like trying to come into Veronica's life and then betraying trust like it was so much easier for her to just run to almost like a fantasy of Leo um, than like deal with her fear of the of trusting Logan and and do that and trusting herself yeah to do that day-to-day work of improving yourself that we kind of talked about that Logan's doing and it's like it's easier to just like oh there's Leo 
let's yeah. let's you know yeah circum circumscribe the yeah hard work exactly i just i also feel like uh rob bell just so understands this about the character that he's written like he he knows that the audience craves those times where you know veronica has these trust issues and i feel like that it's so mean of him at um the wedding when she's in the like when she's in the courthouse and she gets oh. and you think that he doesn't show up i'm just like that is like he knows you know that's oh, like yeah. he yeah he he's playing tricks on us well and we as an audience also have had trouble trusting logan mm-hmm. like in yes. season yes. uh in season 1 in particular but through all the earlier seasons there's many times where we're like what the heck Logan like what is your deal or like did you murder Lily <laughs> or like so we have the same trust issues that Veronica does and mm. so that was like that was super mean for him to do that so mean. to us i mean we were oh. like we oh. Tanea and i oh we were Tanea and I and Johnny. We all watched it together, so we were like sitting on the couch and like Tanea and I were like grabbing each other, like what? Ugh, yeah, it was like yeah. so bad. It was tense. I think that it's super relatable um, for a lot of people that you know. Veronica starts off as this like very naive girl and experiences mm. all of these traumas and doesn't trust anyone anymore. I think that that to me that's what I love about the show because I have definitely experienced that in my life where. It's all rainbows, and then you don't trust anyone, you know? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) totally. Man, that's real. And that's exactly why when I first, you know, watched that episode, The Wrath of Khan, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like when I was 13 or whatever, I resonated with this character right away because that's what I was experiencing is I had had kind of like life is rainbows, and then like something happened in my life, and it it was like dark noir. Like that's what, that's what I felt. It was like, oh yeah, this is real life, and that's exactly Veronica's, like her personality and her arc, just over all the seasons. So, mm. mm-hmm. yeah, I think one of the perhaps cathartic elements of Veronica Mars is that um, it challenges us, and especially this fourth season, it, I think it really challenges each of us to confront. Um, the darkness in our lives, mm-hmm. or at least to consider confronting it um, <laughs> and and make the choice, like, do I want to be a Logan now or do I want to be a Veronica now? Or, you know, what what path am I going to to choose? Um, and and with and it does so without casting a lot of judgment on which path we choose, mm-hmm. um, which is which is very interesting. Uh Tanea, what about you? What's a what's a big idea for you? Something that really caught your attention in season four? Um, well, kind of going back to trust a little bit and not knowing like where Veronica's gonna go, mm. I really picked up on her relationship with Nicole. They had amazing chemistry, and I for sure thought that they were gonna, <laughs> you know, tease her leaving Logan for Nicole, mm. and, which wouldn't be totally outside okay. of yes. Veronica's like trajectory yeah exactly and and i read in an article last night i'm not making this up there was a scene written like a makeout scene for her and nicole and but they dropped it because they did it on the good place first um which they're both in oh um, it's like okay so cool it was like kind of hinted i wasn't picking up on yeah. this like uh, the subtext was there yeah um and i thought that like that would have been a very interesting development as far as a kind of a way almost to bring it into more of a modern 
set. Like we didn't really talk about that. That there was the one episode that dealt with trans. Um, yes, yeah. rewatching yeah. the early that was seasons so ahead of, ahead of its time. I know, yeah. right there it was. But like that, just bring it into like the little everyday, you know, opportunities for that. I felt like that was a good, a good way to like modernize it a yeah. little bit um, well, in this mm-hmm. season. Well, and and something that you know, jumped out at me in, in the same, and I, I felt the same way. I was like, you know, are we, are we going to, you know, move to a, 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 a sort of a bi identification, mm-hmm. you know, for Veronica rather than her traditional, uh, cis female, you know, sort of way of approaching life. And, uh, um, I Pause. think about, that's not what cis is. Hetero. Hetero. Yeah. Okay. Cis is. Like the opposite of trans. Yeah. Okay. Your gender identity matches. Okay. So. I just thought you would want to. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we can change that. Okay. So. From her. Can we can we say hetero? Her heterosexual, heterosexual point of view. Okay. Whatever. That's a change. <laughs> uh, okay. How can I. Where was I? Where did I. Where was I before that? Thank you for the correction. Where were you? Uh, it was taking like her. It was. Go, you were going along like this is acknowledging a bi point of view a little bit yes. from where we were previously. Nicole and Veronica, they share a very similar history, past history with the with the kind of of sexual exploitation that both of them experienced. Well, you know? and have seen as and well. Have seen. You know, in Veronica's line of work, she has interacted with a lot of terrible men. And in her life, she has interacted with a lot of terrible men and terrible people, but particularly, you know, thinking about just the outcomes of the first few seasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there's something that her and Nicole share, this understanding um, and this, like, toughness as well. And this, but we take things into our own hands Mm -hmm. that she doesn't really have with any other character and that's why like they do have a really close you know whatever it was friendship Mm -hmm. potential relationship um and that's why like in the scene where veronica has to to when veronica bugs nicole's office i was so upset because Mm -hmm. she's ruining this it was a violation of trust yes it was a violation of trust and so here's like the first person out of maybe all these people except for maybe keith that she has been able to like actually trust um almost fully Mm. though i think she's probably i mean obviously she's suspicious but i mean she she trusts this person and likes this person until she becomes suspicious like oh well maybe she took things too far and then she and then she totally violates the mm-hmm. trust and ruins it. She's sabotage, sabotaging this relationship. And w- this was someone who she could have gone to and maybe would understand her more fully than a lot of other people. But instead she went and she violated that trust. And that, when Veronica admits to Nicole that she bugged her office. Oh, that scene was so powerful. It was. Is great. It was so intense. I'm glad they didn't reconcile. I like this was yeah. a, like a, a really excellent way to like hear the consequences of what happens when you blow this kind of trust. Like yeah. it was really good boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so often when we've seen Veronica betray boundaries, like the it hasn't felt quite that real, but yeah. And you want her and Nicole to like continue to be friends, mm-hmm. etc, but um 
in real life, you know that that would never happen and that it shouldn't, that Veronica really did step over a line. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a great example, uh, Renee, of your, of your earlier point that, you know, sometimes Veronica's distrust is ungrounded. And maybe I know Heather and I, at least maybe Tanea too, had a, had a discussion about this, but you know, whether her, like, did, did she do the right thing? You know, did Veronica do the right thing given the circumstances, given the evidence that she was, she didn't just bug Nicole's office because she was like, well, there's a chance, you know, like, like there was was, a theory they had to explore. There was a working theory that, that was not, you know, it seemed very reasonable, you know, and uh, she was the, she was the one thing that all these things, all these bombings sort of had Mm -hmm. in common there for a while, you know, and so there's some, some sensicalness to it. Um, but you know, her distrust in the end, of course, breaks a really meaningful friendship. Yeah. And I love that they show her flaws as a character like that. It just makes Mm -hmm. her even more real. Very dynamic. I wonder if that bonus scene will be like available on. I don't think they filmed it. It was just, it was just written. (laughs) Cause I would like to know what the outcome of that was. Mm -hmm. I think it was a fantasy. I think it was written as like a oh, like one, another one, like of a her dream fantasies. sequence fantasy. Yeah, like with Leo. Oh, yeah, like with yeah. Leo. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Renee, how about you? What's a big idea for you from from this series, from this season four? I loved in season four how they were able to um, keep the show just very relevant to. The way that the format of TV now, what we like to see on TV now, um, and how they were able to kind of take the show that is very dated um, and make it still very interesting to audiences um, now. I yeah. totally agree. <laughs> I think right now. I was going to talk more and then I didn't want to ramble. <laughs> it's all good. I think kind of drawing into that a little bit, it's very much in our societal mindset right now, the idea of true crime. Um, it's mm-hmm. I think it's seeing a resurgence in popularity. Like it's always been popular, but like now it's more mainstream. I think like everyone's recommending true true crime murder mm-hmm. podcasts yes. and Netflix documentaries. Yeah. And I really thought it was interesting how they brought that kind of fandom that's around true crime into the storyline and in with our antagonist and that was that's this really great way to make it relevant yeah. as far yeah. as subject matter yeah. yeah and to and to comment on it mm-hmm. to to even engage a yeah. especially with the you know the the like you said you know this club that yeah. is you know trying to solve these murder mm-hmm. mysteries you know like like how how healthy is this? How it's helpful like, is this? Yeah. When Veronica and Logan show up to their murder heads meeting, it's like they sit and talk about, yeah. it's like, oh, well, maybe Logan did it. And he's like standing right there or whatever yeah. of talking about yeah. Louis Kane's murder. And it's like, it <laughs> becomes very apparent that the real life people in these crimes that they're investigating are no longer real life people to them. They're, yeah. they're characters. Yes. It's cavalier. Yeah. It's grotesque. Mm-hmm. It really, and, and of course so- for us, but we know, we know the truth, right? And they don't. Yeah. And it's such a nod to true crime fans as well, having Patton Oswalt Absolutely. as the head of the, the murder club and then having him be the murderer. Because, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the biggest the biggest true crime podcast um, that's happening right now is My Favorite Murder. And 
Patton Oswalt has been a, he's been on the show. He's, yeah, obviously his wife, his late wife, Michelle McNamara, um, and the Golden State Killer. Yeah, she's a. I just thought that was so. For people that don't know, she was a true crime kind of author, and she wrote this book about the Golden State Killer who was recently allegedly Mm -hmm. caught, um, using familial DNA and like around the corner from where we three live yeah Yeah. literally like 10 minutes from where we grew up yes (laughs) fun (laughs) we've probably driven by his house Um, absolutely but she wrote this book and then she passed away suddenly just like in her sleep um like a little bit before the book came out and that was Patton Oswalt's wife and so then for him to like, it's interesting because it's kind of like he's paying mm-hmm. homage to her and to this culture that we have, which is like true crime. But also mm-hmm. he did it in a unique way because he winds up being the murderer. <laughs> so that's like, yeah, very interesting. I also thought um, it was a funny comment with uh, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but the their whole uh, her and Keith's fake swearing thing that they did um mostly maybe in maybe mostly in the first episode but kind of throughout um how they they like incorporate it was like a comment you know yeah we know we're not on UPN anymore we're we know we're not on the CW we can kind (laughs) of swear and they kind of did but then also I felt like they were talking about the good place which is they do that a lot on the good place and how Kristen Bell, this was her breakout role and now she's a huge star. You know, I felt like maybe that could be a comment on, like, we know Kristen Bell's huge now, you know? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's meta. Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) Something that, and the the big idea for me, uh, one of the uh, sort of themes that I I saw in this uh, season that I think really sort of plugs in with, with what you're talking about Renee in this like relevance of the show and this exploration of relevant themes is the way that um, uh, objectification takes place. Obviously in our culture, in our context, um, there has been, (laughs) not even in our culture, in our context, in our earth's history, (laughs) you go back to ancient Greece and you can find, uh, you know, uh, porn on the walls and you know like like erotica being written and things like that and uh there there is a um i think especially in our in our context there's an objectification of women um that's funny why am i the one talking about that uh (laughs) in this group of four but uh you know the the magazines the airbrushes the photoshops the you know the plastic surgery the like this is what you're the, supposed to look the like expectations. the expectations the and um it's interesting to me that our first introduction to Logan <laughs> right he is uh Veronica realizes that he's home she goes out to the beach he's coming in you know in his speedo with his surfboard and there are these two younger women there you know uh uh just spring breakers. Yeah, spring breakers in college or something, you know, and they are they are just like eating him up, you know, with their eyes, you know, and when their comments with each other and she's like standing with them. And this is interesting too, like because she's kind of like um it's it's kind of like they're like these younger women 
um, I, I, I kind of sensed this anyway. I felt this like they are kind of the, the ideal in some ways of, of feminine beauty, like very young, young and, uh, you know, they're in, I think they're in bikinis or something. I don't, I haven't rewatched yeah. the scene recently. You know, That's kind of like what our culture, the illusion of what the, the college co-ed being a woman mm-hmm. yeah. is and what an attractive woman is. And yeah. And then here's this, you know, 30 year old, you know, person with a law degree or whatever. And it's like, you know, what does she have? you know, in comparison to them. And then of course it's very comical the way that the scene works it out, but you know, they're talking about Logan and they're, um, they're objectifying him, you know, in a sense, and they're doing kind of the Baywatch type of shot. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, on Logan. Like track from the toe yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. You know? And so it was just a, a, a very interesting commentary. Like, are they, um, and there are so many Logan fans, you know, in the Marshmallow universe, right? So are we, are we just giving eye candy to these fans? Um, are we also making a commentary on like objectification culture um, and how all people can be objectified? Are we commenting on how, um, you know, women are overly objectified? And so we're, you know, like, like what, what does this all like mean? Kind of reversing the trope. Yeah. Reversing mm-hmm. the trope. And to, so kind of using an extreme to be like, Hey, what's going on here? Like, so this, this idea of objectification, this thing that happens in our culture, uh, was, that was just very interesting to me. And I've, I've spent some time thinking about that and, um, you know, how, how should I relate to this? How do we relate to this? Any thoughts? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking about it. It's, it's, it's interesting we don't really get much op- objectification of veronica throughout like it's the whole season huh. or the whole series i would say yeah like she's always very you know buttoned up and kind of clothed and like the whole like it's really stood out to me in the fourth season because she's you know wearing leather jackets and walking she's amongst people in bikinis wearing, like long sleeves and yeah and you think about all of the male love interests that she's had throughout like it's like Oh, yeah, you know, someone with a surfboard, someone who's really hot or, you know, whatever. Like, it's always been the men that have been objectified a little bit. And I think they took it up to the next level a little bit with Logan. And I think, huh. I mean, part of it was like, okay, he, he, he's no longer a teenager. He grew up into an adult man now. Yeah. Um, like, Veronica yeah. and Logan are adults now. Yay. Yes. I wonder, part of Veronica's style, I'm sure, is like she is closed off mm-hmm. to the world. And so it's like signified through her... Like her leather jackets. I mean, she's always worn jackets. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge part of her style. Um, a lot of long sleeves. Yeah, it's armor. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a representation probably of like her just kind of putting up walls and protecting herself. But um, yeah, that is interesting. We don't really yeah. like she isn't really. I mean, even thinking about it, thinking about Logan now. Um, like he wore a lot of long sleeves in the first couple of seasons mm-hmm. too, especially le- sleeves that like were too long. He would hold them yeah, in his hands exactly. like he was a little kid. Yeah, and like I think that really, yeah, the contrast from where he is now, where he wears a lot of like slim cut things, yeah, and mm. things that show off mm. his musculature, and he's more comfortable exactly. with who he is and his story. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah so I would say probably. Like that scene had multiple purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe the main purpose is like, well, the fans are gonna love this, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> but you can draw more. From yeah, it, but think. there's yeah. and when you look at the season as a whole and see once again like contrasting Logan and Veronica and how they 
even dress, you know? Oh, well, I think, um, I mean, going along with that, you know, if, I don't know if this was, you know, Rob Thomas's um, objective with that scene, you know, making a comment about how women are usually the ones that are objectified and here we are objectifying, you know, our male lead. Um, But I think it goes along with um, the idea that this show has always been pretty woke for its time. And um, I think that was really uh, relevant in uh, or really apparent in season four as well with, um, you know, a lot of shows on TV are doing episodes about um, race or, you know, um, women's rights or things. And I think the show did a good job at um, incorporating all of those types of themes without obviously making it like a political show, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I definitely appreciated that about season four. Um, I could, like, I I watched it. Um, I rewatched season three with my boyfriend, and then I showed him season four, and I appreciated that he was really invested into season four as someone that has, like, you know, watches TV all the time now mm-hmm. and doesn't have the nostalgic feelings that we have about season three that he was also like this is actually a well-written show you know yeah Mm. yeah that's a that's feedback that I've seen on um so I follow a lot of tv writers and and filmmakers on twitter and several people had said I had not watched any of the previous Veronica Mars stuff and I just watched this show and it was really enjoyable Mm. um and so even just coming to it with like zero nostalgia people really enjoyed it and they felt like it was culturally relevant and um you know this is something we talked about earlier but the whole um like class distinctions and gentrification um that those are things that are kind of woven into the dna of of the town of neptune And it's something that was talked about in the first several seasons. And so then they really bring it to the forefront in this season where um, people cannot really afford to live in this town. And there's like some development that's being proposed. And it just it it felt like the natural kind of grown up like reality version of this slightly magical world um that's like you know it's like noir it's it's like it is a little imaginary like it is kind of a fantasy world but in the earlier seasons but now it's like no this is this is real like we're dealing with this johnny and i live in a neighborhood that has gone through gentrification um you know we are contributing to the problem surely you know we moved here like two and a half years ago um and so this is and our the city that we live in is getting increasingly more expensive um and so this is these are things that we're really having to face today as a as a country and as a society um when in the past maybe people tried to ignore them a little bit more and this show has been able to kind of like speak to that in a in a fresh way which i like as always there is so much more that we could talk about mm-hmm. um we i mean we haven't talked about wallace we haven't talked about <laughs> mac um and max you know utter absence, absence essentially <laughs> oh. we haven't we haven't talked about um mr i'm an actor now uh, <laughs> uh, we haven't talked <laughs> about dick oh. you know and uh 
yeah, it's like there's there's a lot that we could cover. Always more stuff for us to cover, but we want to we want to get to kind of the heart of the matter. We we want to explore real life, right? And so our um, final pillar question is: How has this uh, this season impacted you? Um, are is there a way that you're going to think a little differently or, or live a different uh, kind of lifestyle or, um, you know, just something that, that really like touched you and is sticking with you? How has season four of Veronica Mars impacted you? It reminded me that I need to go back to therapy. Mm. Like I, you know, I did the whole <laughs> self-improvement thing for like a year and then I was like, okay, I'm in a good spot. And then it's like, oh yeah, this is something that requires everyday work. We need, we need to like yeah. get back on that train, you know, take my cue from Logan and you yes. know, not wait for my husband to be murdered on my wedding day yes. to do that. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved that, that comment that they made about, about therapy. I mean, this is again, like mental health is, you know, at the forefront of, it's a very relevant issue that people are talking about a lot now. And people are actually like recognizing mental health as being, you know, a problem and that it's okay to go to therapy. And I loved that they, they incorporated that. I mean, come like Veronica needs therapy. Like, oh my God. And I love that they had Logan, who is this, you know, really bamfy dude. And You know, macho, yeah. super macho, super macho, capable, yeah. and he's like, "Yeah, I need to go to therapy. Yeah, and I'm gonna talk about this with my therapist, and it's gonna be great." And he's super upfront about it, and I think it's a really great way to make that. You know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, we, we all need it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, was at a a workers' meeting, um, so I I'm a pastor, right? And so a hundred of us who are professional in some ways. Um, uh, to some to some degree, mental health uh, care providers, um, not quite the same way as a as a counselor or. But you know, often you're placed in that but position. We're, we're placed in that least. role. We do counseling. Yeah. I do counseling for people until and you can refer or do until refer. you can refer. And um, so I was sitting in in a room with a bunch of you know of pastors, and a fellow was presenting to us, and he just reiterated over and over and over again. Um, only smart people go to counseling. <laughs> Only smart people go to counseling. Smart people go to counseling. <laughs> you know, just like time and time again, because because we have this this uh, narrative. I I think you know from uh, from the really the introduction you know to the mental health profession. I, I think in America, you know, in the twentieth century. Um, obviously, it's it's been around forever, but there's there's been this like, oh, you're you're really you're really broken. You're really messed up or something. If you go to counseling and mm-hmm. there's just that story needs to be rewritten. That is not the case. That is not the case. Obviously it's a little bit of a, uh, an exaggeration to say mm-hmm. only smart people go to counseling, <laughs> but you know, it's like, yeah, like people who go to counseling are smart. Yeah. To it's do a so. wise mm-hmm. choice. It's a good choice, a healthy choice. Um, yeah. yeah. Valuable choice. Uh, I mean, that definitely sticks out to me as well. Like, don't wait until it's too late (laughs) to, you know, seek the help that you need. And there's no shame in that. Um, But another thing that stuck out to me is just the realities of growing up and like dealing with the nostalgia from the past versus reality of now and like being an adult 
Um, that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately and it's something that Veronica and Logan go through and, um, the town of Neptune goes through and yeah, that's something that I think has been on my mind for a long time. And maybe that's one of the things I liked about the show, even in the earlier seasons where, in the flashbacks when we see Veronica before her best friend has been murdered, she's just like a teenage girl who is like into makeup and shopping and like kind of giggly and whatever. And then we flash forward to the present day after her friend has been murdered and now she's like this jaded like like a uh, private investigator and she's like 16 and I really resonated with that that like it's hard to grow up and all these years later, I'm feeling the same stuff as an adult. Like, it's hard to grow up. And um, it's okay to need help, I guess, to work through that and feel better. And, like, being an adult doesn't mean you have to do everything on your own or be bitter. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Final question. This is our surprise question. Every other question our guests have been able to prepare for except this one. So now it's raw. Now it's real. I'm going to give you, uh, and I'll answer it first because it's kind of my answer to the previous question as well, how it impacted me. Um, but what is the scene in this series, all the episodes, what is the scene that sticks with you most? And you know, why give just a, a, a few sentences on, you know, what it is that, that, whoa, that scene was just crazy or so meaningful or just jarring or whatever. So for me, the scene that really sticks out at me and also something that I'm really taking away is the scene where we're introduced to Nicole and she's running her bar and there is this guy who's taking advantage of a woman who's highly intoxicated and she calls in security. He doesn't seem to back down. He's being defensive, trying to, you know, defend himself. And then she puts on these gloves right with the studs in the knuckles and she like puts him out. And, uh, that was, uh, such a strong representation for me. It was, it was very, um, it was, it was powerful. It was poignant. Um, but it was such a strong representation for me of how leaders are responsible for what goes on within their sphere of influence. And all of us are leaders. Uh, Everyone has influence. How you utilize that influence um, is how you lead. Good leaders, good leadership is when that influence is used to secure better results for those around you. And poor leadership, bad leadership um, is when you use that influence to secure bad stuff for those around you. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, now I'm not saying I should go punch people's lights out in my church if they do something that is harmful to another member or uh, in my family or things like that. Maybe violence isn't the best way, but I appreciated her decisiveness and the way that she took responsibility as a leader for what happened in her space. Mm -hmm. And um, that is the kind of leader that I, <laughs> I can't say that it's the kind of leader that I want to be, but then that will be the, that will be the quote that everyone takes away. I, I want to be a kind of leader who acts decisively to defend the good of people who are within my sphere mm. of influence. 
without punching people in the face. <laughs> Unless, uh, no. <laughs> yep. So, okay. Scene that really just sticks with you. You're not going to forget this scene for the rest of your life. I mean, to be a little bit more shallow, uh, the the sex scene between Veronica and Logan, that especially, especially with the way it's bookended between it, you know, she... It's a much more sensual kind of thing than we got, you know, in the previous seasons. Yeah. But it's also as a direct response to, you know, Logan losing that bit of control and, you know, physically assaulting the cabinet. And, like, that's really hot to Veronica. And yeah. then afterwards, Logan's like, is is this something that, like, should we be talking about this? Like, yeah. how you really kind of liked that violence? Like, that, that was hot. That was weird. Like, are you okay? Like, I, I liked that there was room in that conversation for acknowledgement of, you know, maybe being a little bit kinkier and not liking that, but also of, let's do this safe and responsibly. Mm. There was a lot of depth to that sequence where, like, it wasn't just a sex scene. Like, yeah. there right. was subtext. There was a lot of emotion. Yeah, and... there was subtext through all of it mm-hmm. that was, like, really, especially yeah. if you have been with these characters since the earlier seasons, there's just mm-hmm. a lot going on there. Yeah. And, like, you can't take that sex scene, I think, just by itself. It has to have the context of what happened before and after yeah. in order to really, you know, have it just not be a titillating skin show. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, so mine is not like super profound, but I just remember the most stressful scene for me was when Logan is gone. He's like on a assignment because he he's in the Navy and Veronica is home alone and Leo is in town and then Leo knocks on the door and then they just stare at each other and start making out and I like exploded I was so stressed out I was like Veronica what are you doing you are making terrible decisions right now and then of course it's revealed after the scene plays out that it was like her dream or something but I was like screaming I was like so stressed out and like ah. Um, but yeah, just thinking about <laughs> Veronica, why are you being so distracted? Just like the, the relief when you realize it was a dream. I like, know oh. it was like, I was so stressed out for that. Like, I don't know, 20 seconds. And then it was like, oh, Rob Thomas really had some shining moments. <sighs> yeah. In, and that was one of them. Yeah. It played us like an inst- string instrument. Oh, yes. Several man. times. Oh, oh man. I mean, of course I was a huge Leo fan. Is that Leo? Oh. Sorry. Our dog sounded like he was starring up. Uh, Who's also coincidentally called Leo. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Our dog is not named after Leo D'Amato, but maybe he really is. Um, yeah. So I was a huge fan of Leo in the earlier seasons, and I was glad to see him come back in season four, but I was like, I do not want that. <laughs> yeah. Renee, what about you? Yeah. For me, it was really that closing scene, that closing sequence where she is in the office with her therapist or I guess Logan's therapist, right? And she is kind of talking about the impact that, you know, this whole, the whole, the whole season, the the bombings, you know, everything that happened throughout the series or the the season and she 
you know, the, the questions that her therapists asked her, you know, like, what, what do you think Logan would think about you being here? And she would say, oh, you know, he'd be pissed that it took me so long to get here and he'd be proud of me. And then the whole voicemail that she's listening to, I bawled <laughs> when she was yeah, driving, was, you know, out of Neptune and she hears his voice saying, you know, would it be weird to say I want to marry her because I admire her because I want to be like her because I want my children to inherit her qualities. That's something that I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It certainly, it's something that I have, I guess, recently learned that, you know, I I should know already, but (laughs) just being with someone that you want your children to inherit, you know, the same kind of qualities that, that Mm. they have. And um, what he says about her, you know, always picking herself back up. And I thought that was a very good closing to the series and also an invitation for more. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I do think they did a really excellent job of, you know, killing the season if this is done yeah. or the series, but then also, yeah. yeah, leaving for more. It can really go either way. Yeah. Well... Tanea, Renee, thank you so much for joining us. Um, It's really great talking about a show with you both that has just been so pivotal in our friendship (laughs) and in our in our lives. I mean, really, this show has been a part of our lives like for over half of our friendship. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's totally fair. We were what, 14, 15? Yeah, like 14, 15. Yeah. So about half of your lives. Yeah. In fact. Yeah. Though I suppose Renee and Tanea like knew each other when they were in the, the womb. womb. <laughs> I was a little late to the party though. Um, so uh, please join our Facebook group if you want to discuss more about this show. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, just go to Facebook and search for your movie, our community. Tell us, did we miss anything important? What stood out to you? Um, etc. We want to hear all your thoughts. Um, remember, please tell your friends about your movie hour. Um, they can find us on pretty much any podcasting platform. Rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platform. I already said podcasting platform like twice. <laughs> uh, don't forget to rate and review us. Follow us on Twitter at your movie hour. You can also follow me on Twitter, Heather L. Moore, and Johnny's on Twitter. Hmm. At Am I there? Johnny. <laughs> At Johnny something, whatever. Don't follow him. Um, Renee. It's in the notes. It's in the notes. Yeah, it's in the show notes. So, Renee, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? You can find me at rwilder on Instagram. Um, It's W-Y-L-D-E-R, not an I. Yes, we don't like eyes here. We don't like eyes with wilders. (laughs) You should for sure follow her because she is an awesome actress and she dresses up as Disney princesses and villains. Tanea, how can people connect with you? If people want to connect for whatever's going on on my Instagram, I'm at one zero underscore a underscore y a. And that's spelled Tanea if you don't know. Yeah, that's how you say the name Tanea, not Tanaya or Taniqua or whatever. Yes, not those. Um, But yeah, nothing. 
about what we've talked about is on my Instagram. <laughs> but if you want, if you thought that maybe I would be a cool friend based on this conversation, it's probably true, and you'll see that on Instagram. She is a really cool friend, and she does like cosplay sometimes and totes. Yeah, she's fun. You can send us an email at yourmoviehour at gmail.com. Check out our Patreon and the cool perks, and also find us online at yourmoviehour.com. And if you find yourself about to schedule a vacation, look up Neptune. It'll change your life. Totes. This is your movie hour. <laughs>If you've made it to the end of the episode, now you are in our marshmallow cult. So, welcome. Welcome. Meetings are every Tuesday at 5 a.m. You must come. East Coast time. <laughs> Mandatory. <laughs>